lovelies, and welcome to another edition of LGBT in the Ring, your rainbow bastion for all things pro wrestling. I am your host, Brian Bell, back with you once again for another fun dive into the world of queer pro wrestling here on the Outsports Radio Network. And it has been a fun week, I have to say. Uh, well, fun relatively, I would say. <laughs> um, there's been some good, some bad. Um, some things we're celebrating, and, you know, we're definitely going to get into a little bit of that here before we get to our guest, who, of course, if you listened last week, you already know who it is. Um, they came on to talk about the Santino Morella situation at the Royal Rumble last week, but we have our full conversation with uh, one Sam Didier, the uh, creator of the Wrestling With Gender uh, zine. Uh, which uh, I'm super excited to read whenever that finally does uh, land in my inbox um, at some point down the line. But before we get there, I, there were some major shakeups in pro wrestling this week, um, most notably from the WWE side, I would say. You saw um, co-presidents of WWE basically fired <laughs> um, by Vince McMahon uh, in a very... Oddly worded, or at least oddly messaged, um, press release where basically there was like a, a difference in, I guess, like a difference in vision, if you want to put it that way. Which may, I, I'm curious because like, I'm very curious to know what the what that difference was because I thought the entire like I thought that everybody was on the same page there for the most part, but clearly that is not the case. Um, but we'll see that uh, I'm sure we'll get more information tomorrow during the financial call, um, where WWE has to report their Q4 numbers. And those are always really fun to wake up early in the morning and listen to on my end. It's the only thing I don't like about being on the West coast. <laughs> um, but yeah, that was, that was an interesting little thing, but from the WWE world as well, you know, today I'm recording this on Wednesday, uh, February 5th. Uh, we saw that two people, two major people from the indie wrestling world uh, were signed to the Performance Center at WWE. Uh, one, extremely surprising. The other one, mm, more of a matter of time, I would say. Um, the the former being uh, one Timothy Thatcher, who I think the majority of wrestling fans thought was a indie lifer. Um, just a dude who was going to be going from place to place just basically manipulating joints until he chose not to stretch people any longer. Um, that being said, though, very, very accomplished uh, poor wrestler in Timothy Thatcher, and he's going to get a much larger stage to showcase himself on now. And so that's awesome for him. It's a loss for the indie scene. Uh, it's a loss for anybody or any future blood sport events um, like the one down in Tampa this year. But it's it's pretty rad to see. Like I'm glad I'm glad that he's getting his due. Uh, the same goes for Killer Cross, who I think it was pretty much a foregone conclusion that he was going to be ending up in WWE at some point, um, especially after you know finally getting his release from Impact after the, the months long issues there, and then you know, showing up on like MLW, and he, I think he was at the, he was at the last Bloodsport um, last year and. You know, he's been popping up here and there for places, but he's been very mum on where he was going to be going long term. And the fact that his partner, Scarlett Bordeaux, signed with WWE uh, last year, I think 
everything's just kind of pointed to Killer Cross ending up there. He's a big guy. He's a big, strong, ground-based guy. That And that's the guy that WWE loves. That's been the prototype for a long time there. Throw in the, the recent um, attraction to indie cred, and, and you have a good mixture there with Killer Cross um, going to WWE. So, yeah, some good signings there. Also, we have to shout out Aja, um, Aja Pereira. Uh, because Aja has been signed to WWE as well. Now, she reportedly will be going in as a referee, but not just any referee, uh, the company's first uh, black female referee. So kudos to Aja. She's been tearing it up on the indie scene for a long time now. and you know, it's, it's good to see, as much as we criticize WWE on this show and in a lot of circles of uh, pro wrestling crit, I... It's nice to see them giving platforms to people that deserve it and people that kind of throw out this, this message of positivity in a way. Like, you know, I saw a recent, there's a profile of uh, Naomi and Bianca Belair that came out after the Rumble. That was super awesome to see, especially considering how wide the Naomi return has reached beyond the pro wrestling audience. Like, it representation matters not just to the queer community it matters to all communities and seeing this sort of thing reach the heights that it has um is really awesome to see and then they're putting that foot forward once again by bringing uh Pereira in so yeah congratulations to all three of you um and look forward to seeing y'all pop up on NXT hopefully hopefully pretty soon um but of course the last thing we're going to get to here is something a bit more um personal to me um Butcher vs. Gore, primetime pro wrestling, the company, you know, the people behind the company, Mr. Gator, uh, Lola McGrath, uh, and of course, Billy Dixon jumping in to uh, throw his production uh, kudos behind Butcher vs. Gore specifically. They're all friends of the show, and we've we've talked to them extensively about this Butcher vs. Gore event, and I am very pleased to say that they have sold out that show um, on March 7th, and it is so rad to hear a Pride show not being held in Pride Month by a company that is not explicitly an, an all-queer company or a queer-focused company. You know, it's 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 amazing to see. It's it's It speaks to the power of representation. It speaks to the power of, you know, what a diverse roster of wrestlers, performers referees, ring announcers, you know, bookers, producers, like the more voices you have in the back and the more voices that you're willing to put forward to audiences that are underserved, the more that those audiences are willing to come out and support it. And it's really awesome to see. And I um, tip my hat to all three of them and to all the people that, that bought tickets, all the people that bought into this message and and all the wrestlers that are going to be on that show, all the all the performers that are going to be in that ring, in that arena, like I cannot wait uh, to see that show. And I am very happy to say that I am going to be there in person. Um, my partner and I are coming out to D.C. on March 7th, and we're going to be there to witness history with Butch versus Gore, and it is going to be super rad. I honestly can't wait. Like it's just gonna, it's just going to be a great night. It's going to be a great experience, and yeah, it's just I can't wait. Uh, especially considering that the, our main event has been announced in that, or one of our main events at least, in that uh, Billy Dixon is going to be taking on O'Shea Edwards for the Primetime Pro Wrestling Championship uh, per Lola McGrath's selection there. 
Um, that's going to be a crazy match. It's going to be a fun match. Um, and do not sleep on Billy Dixon. I know O'Shea Edwards, for those that have seen O'Shea Edwards, you know like that Kaiju nickname is there for a reason. But Billy is all passion. And Billy is going to put up one hell of a fight. Um, and no matter the out the outcome, like there's going to be a lot of heart and determination that's going to be left in that ring. I would argue neither guy is going to leave um, without giving in their all in that match. And I can't wait to see it. And another person I know that can't wait to see it is one Sam Didier. Um, another big fan of Primetime Pro Wrestling, obviously. And uh, But... There's much more to, to Sam than just uh, wrestling fandom, or at least what wrestling fandom means in, to other people, I would say. There's there's a different thing to latch on to there for them, and we get into that in our conversation here today. So let's just jump to that. Let's, let's get there. Here's my chat with Sam Didier. What's up, guys, gals, and non-binary pals? Welcome back to LGBT in the Ring. Um, and I am super excited to have as my guest this week um, the creator and editor of a super exciting project in the world of uh, of queer pro wrestling, specifically the uh, trans and, and gender non-conforming uh, pro wrestling uh, fandom and the entire – this the community as a whole, I think. The, their project that's coming up – um, here in the next few months, it's going to be pretty rad to see. Um, the creator of the wrestling zine, Wrestling with Gender. Uh, you heard them last week talking a little bit about the Royal Rumble, but we're back this week to discuss themselves and their projects and all of the fun, posy, as posy as we can stay <laughs> stuff in uh, pro wrestling. One, Sam Didier. Welcome back to the show, Sam. Thank you. It's great to be here. I've <laughs> never done a podcast before, so it will be fun. Yeah, well, I am very, very glad that you chose this one to be your first. I, I will say, um, as a for not being on a podcast before, like our discussions, like ahead of time, like were like super, like right along the same lines of of, of how I like to prepare for these as well. Um, and I think that we can start from i guess from the beginning i think that's the best place to start from uh, um i agree yeah i mean that's i'm i'd figure that's the logical place to start so uh, and i know last week you said you're still like a relatively new uh fan to pro wrestling so i'm very curious where did you first latch on to this fandom like what where did it dig its nails into you so my family never watched wrestling growing up and or when I was growing up and so I had like no context whatsoever and I uh, went to a friend's house uh, around the time of Money in the Bank 2018 and they had the women's Money in the Bank match on and I went there to meet their dog that they had just gotten but I ended up just being completely entranced with watching these women do incredible things 
and like climbing ladders and uh, specifically I remember being just totally obsessed with Naomi uh, just immediate latch on to her which I've seen people have the same reaction this past week which is really cool to see mm-hmm. but uh, after watching that at my friend's house I naturally decided to watch all of Total Divas and Total Bellas instead of actually watching wrestling. And uh, so just like the reality aspect of it appealed to me. Uh, the Like there were some like in-ring aspects of it, but mostly just like getting to know these people and these characters and that's what really drew me into wrestling is the character aspect of it. Um, and eventually I did start watching WWE. I think it was around November, 2018. And um, I, it was, I believe around the time that uh, Becky Uh, became the man and so that appealed to me a lot as someone who was like just starting to question my own gender um which of course it's a little different for Becky than for me but um just that idea of playing with gender roles and um expression and different things really appealed to me um and then after uh, watching WWE for a little bit, I decided I wanted to start looking into more local shows, and I found out about Bizarro Lucha in Indianapolis. Um, I live in Indiana, um, so it's about an hour away from me, and um, I went with a friend and just completely fell in love with the live experience of watching pro wrestling, Um, especially like that particular promotion, Bizarro Lucha, you're right up against the ring, there's no barriers, it's in a brewery, so everyone's just drinking and having fun, and it's a wild time. And I think, that for a long time, I didn't feel like I had an outlet to get like my energy out. Like I, um, I think the experience of being able to just yell things and boo people at shows is really like kind of like necessary to have those outlets. And I didn't have those outlets until I found wrestling. So my, I guess my fandom progressed kind of slowly at first, but then like extremely quickly once I started going to more independent wrestling promotions. Mm-hmm. Um, so now I've been to, um, I went to Rise Pride and Joy. I've been to some Black Label Pro. I've been to um, a GCW in Nashville last summer. And then um, I've been to Paradigm Pro just this past weekend in Southern Indiana. And 
just going all over the place, traveling to go to shows. It's become like something that I do with my spouse. And um, it's really the live aspect, I think, that appeals to me. Um, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I can't fault you there. There's there's a definite certain uh, difference in like attitude and, and, and adrenaline, I think. And definitely atmosphere, like being in a live environment like that, especially one like you describe at Bizarro Lucha. I, I've heard of Bizarro Lucha. I have not seen any of their shows yet. And to hear you describe it, it reminds me a lot of a promotion we have out kind of, I, I say close to me, but it's like literally like a 10 hour drive from where I am. Um, Hood Slam, where oh, you're like, oh, yes. Yes, where you're like love, right up on the ring. <laughs> yeah, um, Dark Sheik, who yes. runs that promotion, has been to several Bizarro Luchas. And nice. I love her so much. Yes, Dark Sheik is awesome. Um, but like the, the the atmosphere sounds very similar from what from from what you're yeah. saying about it. So like that's really rad to hear. And I think that's that is the one of the perfect environments to kind of to introduce new people to pro wrestling because it's not just about like like there there are so many different facets of being a wrestling fan from or different versions of being a wrestling fan per se where like you have the people that are more into the characters people that are more into like the just straight up in ring the technical aspect of it um more into like the spectacle of everything but just having like an environment where you just come in have a few drinks and just be raucous as shit Absolutely. Well, like that's that's one of the best ways I think to introduce new fans to pro wrestling, and it's really awesome to hear that that sort of that that's starting to catch on, you know, in places other than you know the the Bay Area and uh, New York. Yeah, I've actually brought a lot of new people to those shows too, and it really is like something that once you experience it live you understand versus just watching it on the screen mm -hmm. i want to double back real quick to to your talking about kind of diving into the the, the total divas and total bellas um yeah shows so because like that's not from people that i that i've spoken to both on the show and also like kind of in general like it's it's kind of a like an alternative path I think to kind of coming back to the wrestling fandom in some ways, even yeah. though like it plays into like the, the people behind the scenes a lot, it plays into what goes into those shows mm -hmm. in a more personal way than I think the shows themselves really can portray it. Um, what was there anything specific to those shows that really like sucked you in more than, than the actual in-ring stuff that you were watching at the time? Or why do you think they had that effect on, on you? I think a lot of it is like how many layers of kayfabe goes into it, where it's like <laughs> the character that they portray in the ring versus the character they portray on the show versus who they actually are, because we all know that people on reality shows don't behave exactly how they do in front of the camera versus behind the camera. Um, so I just 
I am personally a love critical thinking and like just thinking about how we portray ourselves um which goes back a lot to gender um and like how we um kind of want to be acknowledged by the world um versus how we feel ourselves and it's just a lot to think about and the reality shows specifically I think do that even more in depth than the just raw or smackdown um and also it's just a lot of drama and I love drama (laughs) (laughs) who doesn't who doesn't love some good like you know drama trash tv every once in a while I I get it (laughs) yeah it's interesting the correlation though that, that that you make between like the performative nature of reality television and the performative nature of pro wrestling as a whole like kind of coinciding with the or being compared to the, the performative nature of of gender identity you know like it's like you said before like with with becky lynch's uh the man persona kind of emerging like that kind of played I'm, I'm guessing that that kind of played into you like kind of looking over and and kind of delving into your own gender identity in that way definitely um i had identified as non-binary before i started getting into wrestling but i was like oh i'm i'm i guess i'm a woman I'm just kind of not or something but I'll just keep being the person that people assume that I am and then like over the course it wasn't entirely because of watching wrestling but it kind of happened at the same time as me getting into wrestling that I was like hey I don't identify as a woman and I feel like oh there's a lot more going on here (laughs) and I think that thinking about wrestling especially because I was like particularly particularly interested in women's wrestling at first um it just like thinking about how people or like assumptions that people make about people based on their bodies, um, assumptions that people make based on like their personality and how they portray themselves and like what we feel about ourselves based on what people, or based on the assumptions that people make about us. Um, And I think there is a big overlap between thinking about that in terms of like a wrestler's persona versus your gender identity. Um, and I think for a long time, I felt like I couldn't be trans because I wasn't trans enough to call myself trans or something. Um, but then like, I realized that I, do like I I don't identify with the gender that I was assigned at birth so like 
that kind of means that I'm trans. Um, and of course, that's like my own way of thinking of it and doesn't apply to everyone. But um, it just happened that right at the time I was really like getting into the wrestling community on Twitter, um, I was like at the same time figuring a lot of shit out about myself and um, having like that outlet of like just I hadn't really used Twitter before I started using it like for wrestling stuff so like I was kind of figuring out my identity on that platform where I could just I was pretty much well I say was, but I still do use it as kind of my public diary. And <laughs> I um, would like, I specifically remember tweeting like, hey, like I've been thinking about all this stuff and I think I'm trans and I'm going to call myself trans now. And like the fact that I was figuring out my own identity at the same time that I was meeting all these new people was really helpful to me in being able to decide how I wanted to present myself to the world and what I wanted to feel like in my interactions with people. Um, and like even specifically my first Bizarro, uh, someone came up to me after the show and was like, hey, you have a cool jacket. And I was like, thanks. And we ended up connecting on Twitter and they were trans and I was trans. And we were like, we were the only two trans people at this show. And of course we found each other. And so from that point and starting to like, like my entry to wrestling Twitter was uh, like through Bizarro and like, because a lot of, their wrestlers have a big Twitter presence like centered around the kayfabe of that show in particular. And so meeting people on Twitter that were all interested in that same story, uh, it turned out that a lot of them were trans and um, and I don't know if that's just a coincidence or if it's that that particular storyline, um, because they do have like a very convoluted story that has been over multiple shows. Like it's kind of complex, but um, <laughs> I just finding people who were having similar experiences to me with their gender and also were interested in the wrestling that I like and also were accepting me for who I was becoming because I did feel like I was like as I was transitioning I was that is kind of like for me at least becoming a different person um, which isn't entirely because of my transition, it's just people change over time. And I think 
joining that community on Twitter really brought me out of my shell a lot. And I, like, I'm a very quiet person. I don't talk to people very much in person. And being online helps me to be able to communicate with people. And I think you've probably noticed that I do have a lot to say. And I didn't even realize that I did until I had a platform to say it. I mean, that's a, I think that's a very common thing. Like people don't realize exactly what they have like holding within themselves until they have a chance to actually openly say it because let, let's face it like people in 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 our communities like we haven't always been able to speak openly about this stuff Absolutely. Know? and having platforms to be able to to speak about these things and, and and talk openly about like our own like inner struggles like you talking about like the idea of like this idea that you weren't trans enough to call yourself trans at one point like that's ridiculous that yeah. should not that, <laughs> That thought process should not exist, but I totally, I get it. I get why that's there. I get why that's that doubt and that insecurity is there because it's been like basically preached to us for so long. And I think that's one of the main reasons why I love watching, you know, not just the, the LGBTQ liberation stuff like in the culture, but the LGBTQ pro wrestling rise over the past few years because it's definitely taken on more of a shape of we are going to make sure you hear us yeah we are here get out of the fucking way <laughs> <laughs> and i think that like the internet really facilitates that because like i did not know a lot of trans people growing up or even in my own local community and like having people to talk to that have really similar experiences to me has completely like changed my life honestly like i very recently like within the past month have realized that i am a gender um which means ha not having a gender um and like that happened because like I was able to realize that from talking to people who have had like have a deeper understanding of gender the way that I do um and I've frequently been quoted saying that I don't trust cisgender people um which I know is a very harsh way to put it but I just think that trans people understand gender a lot more than cis people do. And I think cis people can have an understanding of gender in that way, but it's not as frequent. Um, and I just feel more comfortable around people who like understand what it means for me to not have a gender. Um, or even what it means for me to be non-binary and like that there is not such a thing as the gender binary and yeah yeah I mean it, it makes total sense you know like 
you know, I, I'm cis, but mm-hmm. you know, I've I've worked to make sure that I have an understanding of gender to be able to to speak to that concept and to be able to yeah. understand like obviously I cannot understand your perspective as an agender person. I cannot mm-hmm. understand the perspective of a non-binary person like firsthand, but I can do what I can to learn so that I can like provide support for that community. Absolutely. And I think that and the thing is that I, that effort it takes a lot of effort to to, to want to to be that person. And like there are you know, it, but at the same time it's not enough effort that it should like discourage people from trying. Because even if you're trying to understand people, that's better than just blanketly saying. Like the one thing I always go back to is people that whenever I say, like the they them pronoun thing. Mm-hmm. Like if if I have someone to say, oh well, that's too much work. I'll just s- s- use your surname, your your proper name, whatever. Yeah. Like that is one of the laziest arguments I have ever fucking heard for anybody trying to not understand like gender identity or pronoun usage. Absolutely. And I like that you bring up that it does take effort to learn that because like it takes effort for me even with my friends who are trans if I knew them before their transition. Like that's something that everyone struggles with and it's something that does take effort and you need to put in the effort because you care about those people um and I think that something that I see a lot with uh cis people who are lesbian or gay or bisexual or pansexual etc who are queer but not trans um they think that because they're LGB that they can't be transphobic um, because like they're part of we're part of the same community so there's no way that they could do something that's transphobic and I don't think that's true I think that it happens very frequently that cis people who are queer are misgendering people or making jokes that are hurtful to trans people or being blatantly transphobic sometimes but I think a lot of times it's more of like the very small things that people don't notice Mm. except trans people notice we do notice (laughs) (laughs) you know obviously like yeah like that the idea that that other people within the LGBTQ community, like quote unquote, can't be transphobic because they are part of that community, it's a, it's it's hogwash. It's it's ridiculous. <laughs> it's a ridiculous way to like think that like to basically just wash your hands of something of an inherent bias that you're not willing to address. And if you don't address it, you're never going to correct it. You're never going to be able to like curtail it and work on exactly. it. Exactly. Like, Uh, That's something that's very important to me is acknowledging the biases that I have. Like, I'm a white person. I was raised by people who were white. Uh, They were not good about race. And so those are things that 
I am trying to unlearn, but I do say that like I am racist um, as an example. Um, and I think that goes for any type of bias. Like you can't say that you have no bias whatsoever, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. I believe in labeling behaviors versus labeling people. Um, and so I will say like that what you just said is transphobic and that makes people really uncomfortable. And I think like I do have like some more radical beliefs than some other people who have similar identities to me, but I still think that you have to call things what they are in order to be able to change them. Almost definitely, especially within your own community. You know, like we can, we can sit here and rail on like cishet people all day. Like that's like no problem. There's like, (laughs) you can throw a dart and find something problematic in that world. But to actually be able to sit and critique our own community and be like, no, like you have some of these same issues and you need to face them and realize that, you know, if you don't, you're, you're impeding our, like our progress as a whole. If one of our, if one of us is held back, all of us are held back. Absolutely. No, I so I commend you. Like I think that calling that stuff out whenever you see it, especially like behaviors as opposed to like throw throwing it labels on people, like you said. Like I think that's a very that's a good way of keeping things from getting like super inflammatory right off the bat. I feel it's just like just pointing out behaviors and realizing because behaviors are easier to change if you see them that way as opposed to like a part of who you are. I think. Yeah, I agree. I I work in special education where things are very behavior based. And so I apply a lot of that perspective to my personal life as well. Yeah. Huh. So that being said, though, like, I think that like you're talking about wrestling Twitter being like this, this really good community building thing for you um, and finding your place within like, not just necessarily within, obviously within pro wrestling, like, but also just within yourself and like people that have been able to influence you and and affect in a positive way, how like your own journey of like self-discovery in terms of like your gender identity and stuff like that. Like that, I think I think it speaks to the the true power that community can can have in that way. Definitely, um, and really like thinking about that, um, especially at the beginning of January uh, 2020, uh, it was, I mean. You experienced it too, I'm sure. Uh, wrestling Twitter was just completely a shit show, and it it was widespread, like across like the region of the. I guess it was mostly the United States, but um, well, I know British wrestling has its own things too, but 
what I mostly pay attention to is United States independent wrestling, uh, but specifically Indiana pro wrestling had a really bad time at the beginning of January. And so I was having a hard time with all of that. And I was trying to think of ways that I could just do something to help because I'm just a person who wants to help all the time. And I don't want to just sit there and complain. I want to do something. And so um, one thing that I did uh, was uh, make a Facebook group for Indiana Independent Wrestling. Um, and it's still relatively small, but uh, like a lot of the Indiana scene happens on Facebook, not on Twitter. Mm-hmm. So I haven't really experienced a lot of that because I don't really use Facebook for wrestling. And so I decided to just like try to branch out a little bit and try to get people together to talk about more serious things um, and not so serious things, um, but just trying to make our little corner of the wrestling world better. But another project that I did and um, my friends always make fun of me for having a million projects at a time. Uh, But (laughs) another thing that I decided to do was to make a zine. And I originally had planned like to just do it with my friends uh, because I had a lot of friends who were trans and who liked wrestling. And I was thinking a lot about the overlap of those communities where like, I think wrestling happens a lot on Twitter. Uh, queer people and specifically trans people that like interact with each other on Twitter. I know it used to be Tumblr, but I kind of missed that both. Uh, <laughs> um, but like, and both of those things overlap a lot. Um, and so I was just kind of curious what my friends were thinking about not even necessarily about being trans and being a wrestling fan, but just as wrestling fans who happen to be trans, I want to know what they thought. And I have a lot of friends who like writing and making art and stuff. So I wanted to collaborate because like having or making things together is like, I think the best way to get to know someone. and it like, gives people a voice. And so I tweeted about how I was going to make this scene. And then it got like way more attention than I expected. <laughs> <laughs> um, I gained like 200 followers in a day, which was like. Wow. Uh, 
very stressful to me, actually. I can imagine. I was like, do I have to be a completely different person on Twitter now? Um, But because like social media is also a thing that I think about a lot in terms of like building community and also wrestling because like kayfabe stuff happens on Twitter but also like shoot stuff happens on Twitter and you can never really tell which is which. And it's just a lot to think about. Um, But I like thinking about stuff. Uh, So yeah, I decided to make the scene and I I called it rest. Well, I, before I made like the tweet that got all the attention, I had just tweeted like, I'm kind of interested in making a zine about being trans and like in wrestling, like, is this something people would be interested in? And, or does this already exist and can I read it? Uh, (laughs) And I had a few people reach out to me being interested in doing it and one of them uh, recommended the title of Wrestling with Gender, and I really like that. Uh, so that's what it became. And um, I like made a little pitch form, and we got almost forty people submitting pitches. Wow. Um, and so. As of right now, the plan is like people are uh, going to be in three different volumes out of the original pitches. And then after all of those get done, we'll see if we will continue. But there's going to be at least three volumes. Right. How often are you looking to release those? Pretty much as I can get them done and as people are ready to submit stuff because um, I like, I mean, I've done like my own zine making before. I've done like cut and paste scenes, but I've never done one that was like people have submitted stuff for Mm -hmm. so I'm kind of making it up as I go along and kind of not I've like reached out to other people who have done submission based scenes but um I've also never done like a digital like layout for a zine so that's another thing that it depends on how long it takes me to figure that out uh, for how uh, soon it'll be released. But I'm going to do it because it's important to me and I am excited about it. Um, and um, I guess like my main goal with the zine is just to learn more about what, like how other trans people and non-binary people uh, relate to 
wrestling and how they like if they relate their gender like I was gonna say gender journey but that sounds really corny (laughs) (laughs) it's all right Uh, gender experience I guess there you go um (laughs) but how they relate that to wrestling um and I think like I know that it has been or that wrestling has heavily affected my gender experience and I want to know more about what other people think and I want other people to be able to learn what other people think because I think having a platform to like express yourself that's not Twitter that's like a long form uh, essay or a poem or artwork or photography. Uh, it's just cool to have that all compiled and like be able to say, hey, we are all trans, we all like wrestling, but we all have different points of view. No, I, I completely agree with you on that. I think that projects like wrestling with gender and and other you know outlets zines you know websites podcasts anything like that that is able to provide more of a voice to marginalized communities like that like that is really how you start to empower a community you know being giving them a platform to tell their stories and then their experiences and even if, like, like you said, like some people, they're not necessarily going to write about their their gender experience and how it necessarily directly relates to pro wrestling, but their gender experience does inform how they critique pro wrestling in some ways. I think that yeah. you know, life experience does that for anybody, but specifically that, like, I think having those voices there and having those pieces. Like that is supremely important, and one reason why I was really excited about the project whenever I discovered it, because like, I I had known about you like vaguely. I'm getting a little inside baseball here. I had known about you a little bit vaguely just through like your interactions with Lolo and Primetime. Yeah. And shout out! Yeah. I feel like every week I'm saying this, but shout out to Primetime, friends of the show. I know. Um, Love them to death. <laughs> sneak, peek, <laughs> sneak peek for the zine Lolo is writing an afterword. Uh, it's yes. gonna be real good. I was hoping that Lolo would have something in the zine, um, yeah. but like you know that like that's where you were on my radar, and then like you announced this, and I'm like, oh, this could be something like really big, really important. Like I, I and it's something that it, it's one of those ideas that obviously I, it exists. I'm I'm sure there are other projects out there that are similar, giving voices to to trans and non-binary writers. Um, or artists or photographers or, or people like that. Um, yeah, there's actually a few zines that I know of. Um, Colette Arond. Oh, yeah. I'm not Colette sure Aron. how to say her name. Uh, yeah. But she's written a couple zines about wrestling. Um, and then there's The Atomic Elbow, um, which is a zine that it's just generally about wrestling um 
and um, someone I've gotten advice from is uh, Kate, who does, um, she's Make It Loud on Twitter, I believe. Uh, she does um, Girl Wrestling Fan Will You Marry Me, which is the funniest title ever to me. <laughs> <laughs> and um, like I've had friends submit to that scene specifically, but yeah, like there are other zines out there and um, I definitely recommend that people look them up and buy them because like, it's really cool to read other people's experiences with wrestling and their thoughts and to have like, a physical thing that you can hold and not just look at your phone is really fun. Uh, yeah. It, although I, I'm going to, I'm planning to do a digital, do digital copies of my scene as well. And I feel weird calling it my scene because it's really the zine of everyone that's submitted. But, um, yeah. It's okay to recognize yourself though. Like <laughs> putting this together. Like it's a it's a it's a big undertaking, but it's also a, a very um very admirable one, I would say. Yeah. I'm yeah. excited that it did get so much attention and I hope it continues to get that much attention when it's actually released. Uh because uh like the more money that we make, the more I can pay the people who write. Uh, and I definitely want to make that a priority um, because, like, people deserve to be compensated for their work. I agree. <laughs> <laughs> you trust me, workers' rights all yes. day here. Um, oh, yeah. No, I, I am curious to, to to ask though. Like, obviously, like this thing the thing blew up as soon as you mentioned it um why do you think that it, it gained such uh popularity and such um notoriety so quickly after you announced it like was it just the fact that it was like uh, uh creating another avenue for like non-binary and trans voices to to speak about their experiences or or was it something uh bigger different like what what what, I, what from your perspective i think part of it is that it was like a specific like that i was looking for specific identity of author um and that people want to hear like the perspective of trans people and non-binary people because we aren't heard as often as other members of the wrestling community, I think. Um, and it's just like something that it's hard for people to understand if they're not trans and, um, and especially like how it relates to wrestling. Um, and I guess, so like, looking at the people who were sharing that tweet like it was a lot of trans people who were really excited about it 
but there was also cis people who were excited to like read what trans people had to say, which made me really excited. Um, Yeah, that's all I have to say. <laughs> oh, I mean, honestly, like that, I think that speaks to a desire to have that that sort of perspective out there. Like, because yeah, like you, we don't have a lot of trans voices in like high up in media right now. You know, they're, yeah. they're really speaking about the stories. I know, like us at Outsports, we have, you know, we run the gamut on who um, on, on our on our uh contributor list in our editorial board so like yeah we've got that covered but there are plenty of other places that don't and mm-hmm. being able to provide opportunities to those people to speak about anything anything that they love or anything that they want to critique much yeah. less pro wrestling like that is super important going forward for sure mm-hmm I do like how like pretty much everything that you're doing around wrestling kind of speaks to this this um motivation to build like positive communities and build like links between fans and people in general like you know talk you talked about like the Facebook group and your interactions on on Twitter around wrestling and then you know zine like everything just seems to be building about this this building up this one message of just like everybody kind of coexisting together in this one like ecosystem where like we can all have like these different backgrounds we all have this one thing that we really really love and we don't want anyone to turn this into something that is you know for a long time that has been derogatory to towards a lot of marginalized communities yeah Mm. um community is a thing that's always been really important to me I think um but like being in the wrestling community specifically is the first time that I felt like I actually have a voice and that I can affect change and that like people care about me and want to know my opinion and that there are so many people that I care about and that I want to know what they're thinking and how they're doing and I just have met so many people who like I've met them first on Twitter and then I've been actually able to go to shows and see them there and it's really incredible like how I'm able to build relationships with people who I may not have met yet but I'm going to meet um and even if I don't meet them in person I can still care about them deeply and like be able to have a positive effect on their life and um I think it's kind of weird that wrestling was a thing to do that for me, but <laughs> um, also at the same time, it is such like a community-centered sport. I think sport, entertainment, art, whatever. Um, <laughs> and um, I guess like I like. 
again, like the live experience is what really gets it for me. Um, that you're all in the same place you're watching two or a little more than that people like do something in the middle of the crowd but uh you're also like experiencing not only what they're doing but like what the people around you are doing in the audience um and the in-ring action wouldn't exist without the fans watching and so and also the fans would be there if they weren't watching the people in the ring and it's just like like you said I really like when you use the term ecosystem uh but uh it's it all kind of feeds off of each other and I think for a long time the there's been like a barrier between the audience and uh, the performers and uh, crew and promoters um, and like breaking that down uh, and treating everyone like people instead of like putting people who are performing on the pedestal like they deal with a lot that we don't deal with and we also all deal with a lot of things in the same ways. Um, and I, like I've made friendships with promoters, I've made friendships with fans, I've made friendships with wrestlers. And I think that instead of treating people like they're just there for your entertainment, uh, treating people, or I guess, I, like if they were there for your entertainment, that's like the fan perspective of a wrestler, but also like the wrestler's perspective of a fan being like someone who's going to give you money. Like, I think that. I just think that we should all treat each other like people <laughs> instead of like making it a transactional thing. <laughs> yeah, I mean obviously that's always gonna be an element of the business, but at the end of the day, like we're still like fan, wrestler, promoter, like we're still all human beings with our own experiences and we can all get along and, and know each other. And I really like that the way that you pointed like the, all the, these different like separations, these barriers between the different aspects of the, of the business. And then the more and more with whether you attribute it to social media or like the kind of decline of kayfabe or, or whatever he said, you're seeing a lot more blending of everything together, you know? And, and I think that's very healthy for, especially the indie scene, I would say like, that's yes. the best. That's, it's a really good way to like for a wrestler in a promotion to build their, you know, build their fan base. And then also like for fans that like, it's never been better to feel a cl like a closer connection to a performer that really, really speaks to you. And I feel like every wrestling fan has at least one person, no matter when you started watching, there's one person that just clinged, onto you and and held you in that fandom or else you would have walked away from it 
And, mm-hmm. you know, like for me, that was gold dust in, in 1995. Yeah. And, and if I'm, I'll be frank, like if, if, if today's ecosystem was, was like it was in 95 or, or better, let me rephrase that. If, 1995's ecosystem was like today's ecosystem and i could just go on my computer and interact with gold dust and like find out that i'm like there's just like the super cool thing between us like i would i there's there would be no question that 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 connection would have been that much stronger so like being able to have that nowadays with the people that are as active as they are on twitter um facebook like all these other places like that I don't know. Like it, it makes me very, very happy to see like these people find the the people that will hold on to them and and will help allows them to build themselves up from watching them in that way. Definitely, and I think that is something that is kind of at least in my little circle corner of Twitter uh, that it's a lot of times the LGBTQ people who are finding their representation in mostly in the indie wrestling scene. Um, exactly. People like Still Life with Apricots and Pears, oh, yes. and Sophie King, Candy Lee, Dark Sheik. Um, it's like, it means so much to see those people having success. I couldn't agree with you more. The more the more people being able to live their truth in the ring, the better. And that the, the just makes more people for the people to to latch on to and to look up to and to and to better understand like people that aren't within those communities to better understand and and become more normalized with those communities. So it's not as foreign. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. Well, Sam. Um. I think that about brings us to the end here. Um, I do have one more question for you though, before we get out of here. Yeah. Um, you you said you were at the Rise Pride and Joy show, correct? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. The, I, I, I always come back to that show because I feel like it was so important in some ways for sort of like the more, the recent rise of LGBTQ pro wrestling, mm-hmm. most notably because of, and, and almost every guest I've had on this show has brought it up the Effie promo. Yeah. Um, like, what was it like being in, not just necessarily for the Effie promo itself, but for the entire show, like, what was it like being in the, uh, like, there in person, watching that show and everything that, that it th- uh, threw out into the ether? Um, it was pretty emotional, I would say. Yeah. Um, we had gone to the Pride Parade in Chicago right beforehand um, and then went to the Pride and Joy show. Um, and uh, it, I guess, there was like, it was my first exposure to a lot of those wrestlers and being able to see see so many people who I could identify with personally it was just kind of overwhelming to have them all in one place 
Um, and it's something that I'm really looking forward to experiencing again. Um, in March, I'm going to Prime Time's uh, Butch versus Core. And uh, just shows like that, but really, like, in a way, they're, um, I'm trying to think how to phrase it, uh, they are, like, making the effort to be more inclusive, but also, um, I mean, I'll go back to what Lolo always says, but uh, it's not really that hard to be inclusive. People make it into a big deal, but it's really not that difficult. And I mean, I can't speak on that side like as a promoter, but Willow can. <laughs> um, <laughs> well, that's and, for a lot of different places. Like it's not that hard to be inclusive. Yeah. Um, and so I'm looking forward to more people realizing that and realizing that like it is a draw in a way. Uh, to be more inclusive and that you will get more fans and it will be the kind of fans that you want to have that are really supportive and really want to form a community together. Uh, don't just want to yell terrible things at people. They want to lift people up. And I think that's what makes wrestling so appealing to me is that there is a community out there that wants to lift people up. And hopefully it just keeps moving in that direction more and more. Yeah. Yeah. Sam, thank you so much for, for coming on the show. It's thank been a treat. you for having me. No worries. Let everybody know where they can find you on on Twitter and yeah, other things. Uh, I am at Gay Frog and Toad on Twitter. Awesome um, handle, by the way. Yes, they're my favorite, um, and that's pretty much all that I use for wrestling. So I'm gonna leave it at that. <laughs> And people will be able to get updates on uh, how wrestling with gender is coming along through there as well, I'm assuming? Yes, yes, awesome. for sure. Rad. Well, everybody stay on the lookout for, for wrestling with gender and definitely give Sam a follow. Um, Sam, once again, thank you so much. Thank you, Brian. All that positivity is just so infectious. I really enjoy talking to Sam. Um, it's always, it's always interesting. Like, one of my favorite things about this show is like talking to people and getting to know where they latched onto the pro wrestling uh, fandom, where that bug really dug into them, and you know whether it be like somewhere like distant in the past or you know 10, 15 years ago, or or in Sam's case like two years ago. You know, it's just. It's beautiful to see that there are still avenues within this medium that remain unexplored 
and that once you do explore those those areas that you are able to bring in more people that can enjoy the thing that we love and the thing that we uh, celebrate in the same way that we do, even in new ways, like introduce new ways for us to, to discover it and to, and to talk about it and to, um, and to critique it. So I really, really enjoyed uh, sitting down with Sam. And of course, I, I, right after we recorded this podcast, um, they basically announced that they were starting a Patreon, which you can contribute to and follow uh, at patreon.com slash Sam Didier, D-I-D-I-E-R. Um, and one of the main components of their Patreon is something that I have not seen in the on the internet at all and something that I did not know I needed in my life until they started doing it. And that is uh, Pro Wrestling Promo ASMR. Um, they started with the Scott Steiner math promo, and you can find that on their Twitter account at GayFrog and Toad. Um, but I really wanted to give y'all a taste of what you could um, be grabbing if you chose to donate to their Patreon. Um, this is Stone Cold Steve Austin, the Austin 316 uh, ASMR. I've got the tingles and they feel good. And I hope that you feel good too. And if you like <laughs> the a the promo ASMR from Sam, definitely contribute to their Patreon, patreon.com slash Sam Didier. Um, and of course, follow them on Twitter at GayFrogandToad. Um, and while you're there, follow me on Twitter at WonderboyOTM. Follow the show on Twitter at LGBTRingPod. And... Yeah. Follow all the cool people in pro wrestling. It's all of them. We're all one big family. I obviously cannot follow uh, Austin 316 ASMR, so we're going to end the show right there. Um, <laughs> it's, but of course, we have to thank some people before we get out of here. Uh, starting with Daniel Quasar. The Progress Pride flag designed by Daniel Quasar is a product of Progress Initiative. You can find out more at quasar.digital. And, of course, Sarah in the Safe Word, the providers of the show's theme song, Formula 666, 
That is off the album Red Hot and Holy. You can find them on Twitter at STSWBand. And you can check out their music on both Spotify and Bandcamp at sarahinsafeword.bandcamp.com. And of course, if you're into video games, you can join me and two other awesome Twitch streamers, Sekerkite and Lady Merwin, every Monday evening at 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific, for the Mr. Video Game Super Show, where we cover the week's gaming news in our own unique way over on Twitch at twitch.tv slash deadsunentertainment. Oh, I think that's all of the plugs, at least for now. Go read Outsports. Listen to all of our podcasts here on the Outsports Radio Network. We are all different, diverse, and talk about so many different things on this on this channel. Um, but yeah, it was a fun week. It was a positive week. I'm leaving this week calmer, I feel. Which is perfect, because next week, we're making things a whole lot gayer. But until then, y'all stay messy. Everybody's ready to die. Everybody's ready to die. They didn't see it coming from the top of the bridge. You made a deal with the